This is Daniel Fagell, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. We speak this week on the topic of AI readiness. What does it look like to truly be AI ready as an enterprise? If you're a consultant and you're selling into enterprises and you want to be able to assess where this client stands and what might need to be worked on, or if you are an AI champion within an enterprise, you want to get an understanding of where do we stand, how ready are we, this should be an awfully helpful episode. Our guest this week is Matthew Matina, who's the head of the Machine Learning Research Lab at ARM. ARM is a multi-billion dollar uh, semiconductor and software development company wholly owned by SoftBank. Uh, SoftBank, one of the biggest venture funds in the world based out in Japan. And Matthew speaks to us about his criteria and his way of thinking through what AI readiness looks like in an enterprise. Again, if you kind of want a, a checklist, a list of features, a way to assess and take a view on your own company or that of your clients, I think that this episode should be awfully helpful. And if you're just getting started with deploying AI, we have a free guide called Beginning with AI. It's a special guide for non-technical professionals. So if you do not have a technical background, but you still want to understand what does it realistically look like to deploy artificial intelligence, what are the key factors to understand for AI adoption? If you're not the person writing code, you're more focused on the business and strategy side of things, then you'll want to download that free PDF brief. It's at E-M-E-R-J dot com slash b-e-g and then the number one so b-e-g like beginning and then the number one that's e-m-e-r-j dot com slash b-e-g one that pdf should give you some extra details to layer on top of some of the insights that matthew provides for us here today so without further ado this is matthew martina with arm here on the ai and business podcast so matt i'll kind of dive in first here on this topic of ai readiness and ask you about what you consider to be sort of the core components, the core aspects of AI readiness within the enterprise. Obviously, a lot of moving parts here. What comes to mind for you? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, Dan. I think you know one of the core questions, and one that I think people sometimes miss uh, with respect to AI is, you know, there's the problem that you're trying to solve. Of course, understanding that from the get go is key in pretty much any you know scientific or engineering discipline. But then with AI readiness in particular is knowing how your machine learning or AI model is actually going to be deployed. So what is that model going to run on in the field? Is it going to run on a some kind of a big server in a cloud data center somewhere with you know terabytes of memory and, and lots of GPUs and processors? Or is that model ultimately going to be deployed on some kind of you know very constrained uh, embedded device, say you know in a in a IoT sensor or a mobile phone or a car and and everything in between. So I think what we sometimes see is that a model will be developed by a data scientist or or an AI uh, application will be developed without a good understanding of deployment and where that gets prickly is you know you've you've developed this model it uses you know uh 50 gigabytes of memory and then lo and behold actually you want to deploy it on a constrained device that has you know 256 kilobytes of memory and now you need to do some surgery got it so readiness here you're talking about you know not only involving the model but involving sort of what are we going to run it on do you see this as potentially part of the forethought process for companies? Obviously, not everybody's going to have devices, you know, out in the field. Some people have security cameras; they'll run things on mobile phones, or you know, in in cars, or maybe in heavy industry, they'll have it on a boat somewhere. Maybe other folks are just going to have stuff up in the cloud. But for you, it sounds like maybe that thought process should happen 
as we're coming up with ideas, not sort of after we've developed a great model idea. Those have to be married to hardware sort of at the brainstorm phase. Is this kind of what you're getting at? That's exactly right. As part of the upfront planning uh, stage of an enterprise preparing for for AI readiness, yeah, some consideration for what devices is this actually going to run on and what are the key characteristics of of those devices. And and the interesting thing about it is that, like I said, you can build models, you know, and, and build AI applications that, you know, recognize faces and use lots and lots of memory, or they, you can have models that recognize faces and use very little memory. Uh, and making that trade-off and understanding that that trade-off will need to be made between, you know, accuracy and memory up front will save people pain down the road. Hmm. Now, do you see this as something that the technical side of the house intuitively understands, but maybe the business side of the house doesn't when it comes to sort of these these trade-offs of the robustness versus the you know computational resource use of a given application? Is is this something like who who already gets this and who really doesn't plan for this? That's a that's a great question because it's actually it's I think it's more dire than that, and that even on the technical side folks don't always get it because some of the most talented people who develop these machine learning models or or AI applications, they are used to working in a world of, you know, computational abundance, if I can make up a yeah, term. Yeah, there. I like it. I like but, it. Yeah, like, you, you, well, you train your model, you know, on some cloud system and you have lots of GPUs, lots of disk, and you just optimize for accuracy. So you say, well, Right now, my application has 90% accuracy. If I throw these additional uh, layers in my neural network, I can get it to 92% accuracy. What's not to like? And the thing that's not to like is you know, those additional layers, when you actually go to deploy this on a device, may have broken your, your computational budget or your, or your memory budget. So my point is that even on the technical side, it's a sort of a, a bit of a specialized skill set to develop models with a view towards deployment on constrained uh, devices. Yeah, yeah, I guess the the Silicon Valley crowd colloquially and we might say sort of a lot of the the ecosystems where maybe AI has been developing somewhat rapidly. I guess what we're running it on has not really been the first concern, it's can AI do this. Uh, mm-hmm. so you, you come out of Stanford, you're sort of probably happiest about when you can get it to do something rather than get it to do something you know, within constraints X, Y, and Z uh, in the real world. Yeah. So it sounds like this is a mind shift that has to happen kind of both ways. Technical people need to consider this from the get-go, and maybe even business people should conceptually understand this. So when they're brainstorming ideas, they can say, well, wait a second, where's that processing going to happen? And then they can ask their technical folks, okay, is this actually reasonable? You know, let's, let's actually think about constraints. Is this reasonable? Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. Having the constraints, the constraint considerations baked in up front should make for a faster time to market because it cuts down on that, you know, here's the constraints, here's what we want. And then, you know, going through a bunch of technical diligence and saying, actually, that's not going to be feasible on the hardware platform. And then having to go back to the drawing board. If you can get that closer to accuracy up front, I think it's it's more you know you can get to get to market more quickly and, and hopefully with less expense. 
Got it. And and obviously living in the hardware world, you know, at, at ARM, clearly you've got to think through this lens all the time uh, because every project, this sort of has to be a concern for you. I, I know that uh, if we just kind of get out of this this box just a hair here, readiness for AI within an enterprise, it doesn't matter to me really, Matt, whether you're working with uh, somebody who's working on mobile phones, somebody who's working on autonomous vehicles, or somebody who's working on the most boring AI applications you could ever imagine in the back of uh, an insurance firm somewhere. And that's no offense to insurance people. We, uh, we do a lot of work in that sector, but uh, it's not always like, you know, doesn't have a lot of sex appeal in terms of the AI applications. Across the board, enterprises have to do things to, to sort of learn to adopt AI. It's, it's not just developing models, just like new ways of thinking and having teams work together and new kinds of talent and whatnot. You know, you, you're at a cutting edge where you're seeing people actually adopt both the hardware and the software to try to bring this stuff to life. You've probably seen some people fail. You've probably seen some people win. What are those other kind of just enterprise broad concepts that more enterprises need to be doing to become AI ready? What are the other components maybe of, of what it looks like when it's done well? Yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. One aspect of that I can speak to within my own team here at ARM is as my team has started to develop more machine learning models and, and AI applications directly, the thing that's really hit me is the benefits of having a cross-disciplinary team. So, I, and people bandy this about quite a bit, and it's almost like a truism, but it's real. Like in my group now, you know, we have a mix of people. Some of them are as you mentioned, you know, newly minted PhDs from tier one universities who, you know, understand the mathematics of machine learning and AI inside and out. Other folks have more of a hardware background uh, and understand, you know, what it takes to uh, run a model quickly. And other folks have, you know, just outstanding background in software engineering and, you know, how to run large scale software projects. And, for the work we do, which is, you know, developing big pieces of software, optimizing them for the hardware and changing the, the machine learning models to make them more conducive to execution on the types of devices we care about. Having those three people sitting around, that was three types of people sitting around a, a conference room seems to be a key ingredient towards actually coming up with solutions that work. Yeah, and I, I liked I liked your term that people bandy this about. I don't know if that's British or something, but um, <laughs> if if our podcast listeners hear me say bandy it about in the future, they'll know I stole it from you, which is sort of unfortunate, but I really like that phrase. But but yeah, you know, it's, you're bringing up an important point and and it is it is a bandied about quite a good deal that you're not going to catch the same expertise in your data science lead and in your functional business leader and in your subject matter expert at the same time. Sort of, if it is time to look for opportunities, we really do need those different brains in the room. Do you think, like, uh, over time, there will be more? I don't want to say unicorn type people because that's asking too much of them, but more folks that have kind of enough cross disciplinary skill to start to make these. You know, what we're really talking about is bringing discrete kind of types of knowledge and experience into the room, which right now take the form of different types of humans. Do you see that eventually kind of blending where most people have a little of all? Or, mm. or do you see that as just as important, you know, two to three years from now? Yeah, very interesting. Uh, I, I'm of two minds here. I mean, I think you can make the argument that the amount of knowledge that, 
is known to humans is is just you know increasing exponentially, right? And so it's going to be harder and harder for an individual, any one individual, to really span multiple domains. Said differently, you're sort of forced to specialize. Um, you, you know, you, you need to spend all your time, you know, learning about you know the mathematics of machine learning to be an ML expert. So I actually think, to answer your question, I think even in, in two to three years or more than that, you're going to be required to bring together experts from multiple areas because, as you said, the person, the people who actually understand the hardware, the software, the machine learning, the application, those are going to be very few and far between. Yeah, I tend to agree if I'm going to sort of um, look into my own crystal ball here. And one other point I'll throw on to this, Matt, just because you have a, a little bit of an interesting take being a hardware person, is getting your thoughts on executive education. So clearly we need cross-functional teams. Clearly we need to consider you know, the computational resources, as you've mentioned, which I think are kind of interesting, what most people consider technical concerns, but really they are practical business concerns as well. It feels to me like a lot of this starts with executives that know what people they need to get in the room, executives who know what the hurdles and challenges are going to be, executives who have some context and understanding on AI, because you've probably seen, as I have, execs who go in thinking this is IT. Okay, well, train it and then just plug it in. Or, you know, where can we use AI around here? Kind of looking for toy applications as opposed to solving problems. There's a lot of sort of flawed places where uh, leadership, the champions of a of a project can can come from. What do more executives need to learn in terms of, of a grounded understanding in this stuff to steer the rest of their company, to steer their budgets responsibly and make these projects work? Mm. Yeah, I, 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 a few things on that. I think, you know, one thing is that AI, ML, it's no longer, as I'm sure your listeners know, it's, it's no longer science fiction. So, you know, in the past few years, we've seen ML and, and, and AI applications that clearly demonstrably outperform humans in, you know, tasks that heretofore we thought couldn't be done. So image recognition, object detection, even things like, you know, playing Go. So I think one thing to understand is that it is real. And, and by it, I mean, you know, machine learning and AI, they are a real technology that works. That has to be coupled with, you know, a healthy dose of skepticism in that, it's not going to solve every problem and there are limitations and you need to understand the limitations. So a key one there that I think needs to be understood is, you know, around the data that's needed. Uh, you know, many of the successes we see in speech and image processing with deep neural networks in particular is really enabled by having tons and tons of training data. And if you don't have that, if you don't have tons and tons of training data, it doesn't matter how much compute you have or or how smart your ML guys are, the current crop of deep neural network algorithms aren't going to be a magic bullet. So I guess I'm kind of saying both things. You know, Yes, AI ML works, but it's not going to solve all problems and it's best to understand the types of problems that it can be brought to bear on. Yeah, that's one of the categories that we like to talk about is basic understanding of how does AI work. We also generally recommend things like 
potentially a basic understanding of just fundamental terms, right? We don't need to understand the nuances of a support vector machine, but if I say natural language processing, are you going cross-eyed or, or are you okay? And then the other is potentially getting a sense of of a handful of, of use cases, just representative use cases. Like, okay, you know what it can do in theory? Like, can you tie that to a couple things in your sector? And if they can articulate them, even at a conceptual level, that's probably that's probably good. Do you like to see a bit of that as well? In other words, they, they kind of know what problems it can solve, but also maybe they can even think about, you know, use cases themselves. Is that something that you find helpful? Is there anything else maybe, you know, we're, we're missing here? Yeah, totally. And, and it's, like a, you know, if I can go back to the image recognition one, I mean that's kind of the that's kind of the marquee use case that put the the current crop of deep neural networks on the map was you know showing you can look at these pictures you know here's a set of a million pictures with different things in them you know cats and dogs and different different types of cats and cars and airplanes and everything in between and just understand you know you can look at those pictures and then you can say okay well how well could a computer program and an ML algorithm do on actually telling me what's in the picture? And that's, it, it's just very concrete and clear and, and understanding that the state of the art now is that a machine, you know, running a deep neural network does a better job at image recognition than any individual human can do. And that's just a, just a fact. And, and I think internalizing that really grounds it in reality. That's, that's useful. Last little quick question here, Matt. You know, when you think about companies in general um, that are just trying to assess where they are in terms of AI readiness, you and I have talked about cross-functional teams. We've talked about kind of the hardware considerations, which obviously is your domain of expertise. We talked about executive readiness. You know, I'm imagining some leaders listening in, some VPs, directors, maybe C-level folks who, you know, they're looking at their own company and they're asking, man, how can I get a gauge of where we stand on these things. How can I get a gauge of how, quote unquote, ready maybe we are? Is there a way that they should be asking that or a way that they should be assessing that from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, that's a hard one. It's I, hard I guess to look I at yourself, back. I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess I would go back to the beginning and say, you know, really understand what problem you want to solve. You know, what problem do you want to solve? What is the data that's out there that's related to your problem. So Google actually just a couple days ago published a very interesting search tool for finding data sets on the web. So it's like a Google search, but for massive data sets. You can say, you know, find me heart rate data related to mortality. And you type into the search box and up pops the data. So knowing, you know, what data sets are out there related to your problem is a big way to assess the readiness. In other words, if there's no data collected about the problem you're interested in, it makes it a much harder problem. Yeah. So if you talk to your internal, maybe data experts or scientists and, and you, you sort of scour the internet or, or maybe ask your team to do so, and you're really coming up empty-handed on both ends, maybe Maybe it's not a, a basket you want to put your eggs in, so to speak. Yeah, and, and maybe it is if, in fact, you know, your particular enterprise has a pile of data that's unique to your enterprise, yep. and no one else yep. has that, and, and you can leverage that uniquely. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, that strategy is a whole other podcast right there, Matt, but I'm glad that we, uh, we got to take people this far because I think they need to get ready in order to gain that advantage that you're just alluding to right there. I know that that's all we have for time, but Matt, this has been a great interview. I really appreciate you sharing your insights here on AI and industry. Thanks, Dan. I had a lot of fun. 
So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. For those of you who are Emerge Plus members, you can look forward to some more special Emerge Plus resources on AI readiness. We've done a number of interviews on AI readiness as a topic and theme, and we're putting together some additional resources for how to diagnose AI readiness and how to determine where you stand and what projects to work on based on where you are in terms of AI readiness that can be applied to uh, any enterprise across industry. So those resources, including infographics, are going to be coming out in the best practice guide section of Emerge Plus. So those of you who are already Plus members, you can look forward to that in the month ahead. Those of you who are not Emerge Plus members as of yet, be sure to learn more about what we have in our AI best practice guides, what you can learn from our proven frameworks and our infographics, from our full library of AI use cases. You can learn more at EN merj.com slash p1 that's p as in plus and then the number one learn more about emerge plus consider becoming a member and get access to some of the best of resources that we distill and boil down from some of these great interviews that we have on today again matthew is the the head of the machine learning research lab at a you know multi-billion dollar semiconductor firm certainly has some unique perspective on what it takes to make ai succeed and it's folks like that who we like to interview to kind of grind out the best details and then to turn those into really usable checklists, resources, infographics for our Emerge Plus members and for our subscribers. So consider checking out Emerge Plus if you're not in there already. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode. I look forward to catching you all for our AI use case episode kicking off next Tuesday. It's a very, very unique use case, one that we've never covered. In fact, I don't even know if we've covered this industry, never mind this use case. So I'm going to have to leave you hanging on that, but be sure to stay tuned for Tuesday, and I'll catch you here on the AI and Business Podcast. <laughs>